Welcome back, D2 sports fans. It's another episode of the D2 Nation podcast. I'm your co-host, Wayne Cavani, and joining me, as always, is the great Bethany Bowman. Good to see you again, Bethany. Yeah, it's been too long. We took a week break, but excited to be back and excited to have a special guest on today. Thanks again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and while most of our attention this spring has been on the baseball diamond, and, and rightfully so, we must not forget spring football is upon us. That's right. The USFL started. That's pretty cool. The NFL draft is a little over a week away and the reigning D2 football national champions are back in action for spring football. So joining us today is head coach of the national champion Ferris State Bulldogs, Tony Anise. Welcome to the nation, coach. Thank you, Bethany. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're, we're excited you're here. Um, you know, as we were talking about before the show, we had Jared on uh, while you were on your championship run. And now we, we get to talk to you about what happens next. But before we get to that, we like to always start off with kind of your road to Ferris State. So why why don't you start off by telling our listeners how you got here to to become the Ferris State Bulldogs head coach? Well, as a high school head coach for 22 years um, in various places in Michigan, um, was fortunate enough to get the Grand Rapids Community College job, which is a JUCO. I was there for three years and then uh, got an interview with the Ferris gig and uh, got hired and 10 years there so nine seasons and it's went really fast was it something you were you were looking for was to climb that ladder it was a kind of unexpected and you're just like let's go for it no it, it was definitely unexpected I never thought about being a college coach I really always kind of envisioned myself as just being a high school coach and I was always happy being a high school coach and so um, never really aimed to be a college coach and it just kind of kind of happened yeah well it, I bet Ferris State is glad that it kind of happened because it's been working out pretty well <laughs> yeah thank you yeah absolutely Ferris State is one of the best runs in recent D2 football history the Bulldogs have reached the national semifinals coach four times since 2016 and the one year that you didn't was a loss in the quarterfinals but it wasn't always like that so coach take us back to when you started what the program was like then and when you knew you had something special you could build on Wow. Well, first off, I never took a job in my whole career uh, that I thought I was going to fail at more than the Ferris State job. So the oh. Ferris State job scared the heck out of me, truthfully. Um, and uh, so I didn't know. I, I really didn't know if it, it would happen um, the way it happened. Um, I did have a quarterback by the name of Jason Vanillon when I arrived at Ferris State, and he had a, a uh, special skill set as in he rushed for 5,950 yards in his four years starting at quarterback for us. And so two-time Harlan Hill Trophy winner. And so I say it, you know, Jason Vanderlaan, I had a guy by the name of Justin Zimmer who plays for the Buffalo Bills, Jake Lampman, who was in the NFL. So all three of those guys were in the NFL at one point in time. And uh, so those three guys just kind of propelled us into you know, everybody says, you know, we got the greatest culture in the world, but, uh, you know, I, I think that what they propelled us into was just kind of a, you know, a winning mentality. And so, uh, you know, I'd rather say a winner's mentality rather than a, a culture. So um, they helped us get to the winning mentality and, uh, and it's kind of, you know, grown every year. And, and so Jason's last year was 2015 and, Everybody in our league was, well, let's see what they can do after Jason Vanillon leaves. And then in 16, we went to the semis 
lost to Northwest Missouri State, who won it uh, the national championship. And and uh, so you know, then it's been you know winning in the playoffs every year. In 14 and 15, we were in the playoffs, but we lost in the first round in both those seasons. And and then 16, we made a run to the semis and 17 the quarters, 18 finals. Um, obviously, lost the national championship that year to Valdosta. And uh, 19, we lost to the national champion, West Florida, and then we won it in 2021. So it's been pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. And, and it started with Vanderlaan, like you said, but, you know, we could kind of call you uh, quarterback you, right? You got Vanderlaan, you got J. Rue Campbell, Jared Bernhardt last year, even Evan and Malik, you know, um, Malik. Uh, you know, when I was talking to Rob, he he mentioned that crazy stat that what is it? Every touch, every quarterback you've coached has a six touchdown game. It's just it's crazy. So what is it that you look for in a quarterback for this offense? Or is it just that you look for an athletic kind of guy that you could adapt to him? Yeah, you know, we we try to, you know, develop our our scheme around the quarterback skill set. Um, and that's changed over time. And and I, I speak at Glazier clinics and, and sometimes people are like, why do you change your offense all the time? And uh, it really, it really does change according to the skill set of, of the quarterback. Um, and so that's one. Then two, we, you know, in, in our, our nine seasons here, our quarterbacks have led the nation in, in rushing yardage eight out of the nine years. So we always like that dual threat quarterback. We have a lot of design quarterback runs, which, you know, gives us a plus one in the run game because now our running backs, you know, instead of carrying the ball and, and uh, you know, the quarterback handing them the ball, now it gives us an extra blocker at the point of attack. And, and so that's kind of the expectation. Um, and then we, yeah, we, we really, you know, what, what Evan can do and what Malik can do. And what Jared could do, well, nobody can do it like Jared. I mean, even Jason was a great running quarterback, but Jared, wow. Um, but uh, so, so really, ultimately, it, it's, you know, just trying to play this, their skill set. And, yeah, development of quarterbacks is a key. I always talk about, you know, the having a couple ready because, you know, Jay, Jason went through four seasons and literally missed one play in four seasons. He got uh, – uh, I think his freshman year, redshirt freshman year, and came out for one play. But that was it. Well, then in 16, we had Reggie Bell, who was, you know, a great player. He was our quarterback in 16 and 17, and he got hurt. So then, uh, you know, we, we had to plug in a quarterback there, you know. And and then in 17, Reggie got hurt, and we had to plug in another quarterback. And in 19, Jay Rue got hurt, and we had to plug in another quarterback. So, so we've had to you know, play a lot of quarterbacks and, and the way we practice, I think helps us a lot. Um, you know, like tonight, we just got off the practice field and, you know, five quarterbacks take regular reps for us. And uh, yeah, Jared mentioned that uh, even in the interview, when you guys had him on, you know, he split equally reps during the season with three other quarterbacks. So um, yeah. So, you know, uh, Jesse Rivera also took uh, first string, uh, reps for us last uh, fall and the biggest uh, biggest kind of disagreement I had with with Jared is uh, I tried to give Jared a few more of Jesse's reps one day and Jared wouldn't take them and I'm like dude take 
Jesse's reps. He's like, no, coach, I'm good. I'm good. And, and so it's the first time he really didn't do what I asked him to do. And that was our biggest disagreement over the whole course of time he is with me. Yeah, could be a lot worse. One, one question to follow up on the quarterbacks is also, and, and you saw it last year, is you've always had great offensive line play. Um, some of those guys, I believe, are moving on um, from last year, from the last few years. What do you, what's that offensive line look like heading, you know, right now it's spring, but what do you think about heading into the fall? Yeah, that, that truthfully will be our biggest challenge. You know, we had six, six, six year guys last year on the offensive line. And so, you know, everybody says it, you know, I mean, everybody that watched the national championship game, well, you know, they only threw it two times the national championship game in the, in the first half, um, which I think, you know, I thought was awesome. Right. I mean, we scored 41 points and threw it twice, but, uh, and so, you know, going into the shepherd game, which was the semifinal game, we had more passing yards than rushing yards for the season. Shockingly, people would not believe that, but we did. And then, you know, when, when the weather's tough and, and you got to win, you know, one game to place that trophy, you know, you're not going to fill around with the ball. And so, we, we really put, uh, you know, we really kind of hung our hat with the offensive line and, and they were awesome. And so, yeah, that's going to be our challenge truthfully is uh, to replace those guys. I like our young guys, but uh, they're young guys. And so we'll see how uh, confident they are, you know, to, to, to kind of put the team on their back when we have to. And, and that's what we did when, when we really needed to. Our offensive line really dominated the season for us. I've got one more follow-up question on that too, coach, because you said that, you know, no one could do it like Jared. And I feel like this is a question I can only ask in, in the post Jared Bernhardt era, but now that, you know, it worked out for you guys, it worked out for him in the best possible way with the national championship. Truthfully, like, was he an experiment? Because, you know, he has such the unique story of being a lacrosse player, the player of the year in division one. Um, what did you really see from him when you decided to give him that chance to play football again? Well, let me just put it out there right now, Bethany. If there is another Jared Bernhardt Bernhard out there playing lacrosse, call me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play you tomorrow. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where he, his just skill set was amazing. Like, and I, and I even told my wife, I said, I don't even know if I really want to coach anymore now that Jared's not around, you know. <laughs> and so um, it's one of those things where, um, he's just had such a special skill set. Like his his capacity to make people miss and his lateral movement was just unbelievable. And so, plus he was just such a pleasure to coach. Like he he was the lowest maintenance human being in the world. In fact, uh, <laughs> Jake, I shouldn't be telling you these stories, but Jake Boonstra, our center, found out he didn't have a pillow, and, and so he slept he slept on the floor and on a like a mattress he just laid on the floor and didn't even have a pillow he just used a blanket as a pillow and so they're like Bernhardt why don't you have a pillow he's like I just I don't know why would I need a pillow you know and so that's just the nature of who he is like he is the he is the lowest maintenance human being ever and so uh you know as a quarterback and as a head coach I mean our relationship was like wow I don't have to do anything with this kid he's just going to do it on his own you know and uh, so he was, he was incredible. Um, 
he was just fun to coach. And, and so, yeah, I don't know if it was a great experiment as, as, you know, people saw, I mean, that, that's just, that's almost mindless judgment as to, would you take somebody like that? Who's, you know, if he stayed healthy, he probably would have rushed for 2000 yards, you know, would you take right. somebody like that and make him your quarterback? Of course, anybody would. But I, I, I was just amazed that more people just didn't take the time. You know, I, I don't care what it is. Like, literally, if, if there's somebody who's a sumo wrestler right now and wants to, you know, star at quarterback for us, I, you know, let me know. Give me a call. I'll, you know, if you, can, if you can help us win a national championship, I don't care who you are and how, you know, you know what you look like or, you know, what, you, what sport you played in the past. I'll, I'll take you for sure. One of the impressive things I remember that you're mentioning about, like he is low maintenance, but he, you know, here he was in, okay, my years, 2020 playing for Maryland. And I remember when we were talking before the championship game in the presser, you mentioned that he would text you about new plays while he's winning player of the year at lacrosse and playing for a national championship. And he's still taking the time to be like, Hey coach, am I missing anything? And it was just, you know, every time you heard something new about Jared, it was just like, this kid is just remarkable. Like everything he does is just this great person story type of player. Incredible person, incredible. Uh, most, you know, just so committed as, as an athlete, you know, we, we weren't even off the practice field for our first practice this spring. And he already texted me and said, Hey, how's, how'd practice go today? <laughs> it's like, man, we're not even off the practice field. And he's already texting. And so I talked to him the other day. I said, Hey, you've been watching practice. He goes, well, I watch it for a while, but he says, I'm training now. I don't have really time, but he says, uh, you know, I'm pretty impressed with how, how the team's looking, you know, it's just, he just loves it. The other day, Maryland and Ohio state were playing in, in lacrosse on uh, the big 10 network. And, and uh, so I, I texted him, Ohio state was headed ahead for a while and at halftime they're tied and I said man Ohio State looks you know big and physical and he said nothing the Terps can't handle you know so he's on top of everything I swear (laughs) well back to the team Ferris State hasn't lost a regular season game in three years the only two losses over that span have been in the championship game and the semifinals do you ever feel a pressure on your shoulders to keep that going or is it more a comfort zone where the Bulldogs truly believe they can win every game Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't like, like for, for me, like pressure is just something that I put on myself on everything. And so, you know, the two games that we lost are the two most memorable games in my head. And so, you know, if I go back and analyze things, I think of the West Florida loss and that Valdosta national championship loss. So that's just the way, you know, I, I really think sadly, I should be able to enjoy those wins. Right. But no, I focus on the losses. Um, so, but, but so pressure is kind of a self-induced thing. Um, I do feel like, uh, you know, I, I have high expectations for this next year. And, and I say this all the time, if I didn't have high expectations, shame on me, you know, my coaches and my assistant coaches and my players should be like, well, what's wrong with this dude? I mean, we expect to be the best. And so we work, um, you know, we, we work to be the best, in my opinion, we're the hardest working team in, in the nation, um, in the weight room and, and our commitment to our guys pursuing, you know, their very best that's in them. And so, you know, our expectation is to be at our best. 
we don't want to be scoreboard watchers. So I don't ever tell them, you know, um, you know, winning and losing is everything. I just always say being at your best is everything. And so um, that's the approach we're taking again. And we've been able to do that, you know, quite successfully. And I think that really is the key to our success. Truthfully, is we're just, we're just like, we're tough, man. We're mentally tough and we're determined to, to be the best in, in everything we do. So the last few years, it's been, you know, what do we do to get over that hump? What do we do to get that win? Now you have the national championship win. So the question for you, coach, is what's it take to repeat? Well, I mean, I mean, it's obviously a hard thing to do. Um, everybody that talks about repeating probably doesn't repeat because they put, you know, the end goal in front of the things you need to do from a day to day. So I just tell my guys, don't think about repeating. Don't think about winning a game. Think about being the best they can be you know, every day. And so I just say, win the day, you know, like today on the practice field, win the day. If you didn't win the day today, then maybe somebody beat you on the field today. And so I know that sounds like coach talk, but that's the, the way we talk. That's the way we think. That's the way we conduct business. And uh, so ultimately our, our initiative is to be, you know, be, be the best we can be in the weight room. If we're going to the weight room and the classroom and on the practice field, and then in the off season, just doing the same thing. And, and we never really worry about winning and losing. In fact, when we ended up being number one in the nation, which I guess was the first time Ferris was ever ranked number one in the nation. It was, uh, you know, after, I guess, after uh, West Florida loss. Um, and so all of a sudden we were number one in the nation and literally not one single person on our team even said anything about it. <laughs> Nobody, I don't know, even know, I still don't know if they even knew. And, and so, you know, I love that kind of business, you know, like they know, our guys know, you know, um, you just can't, you can't focus on the wrong things. And so, um, you know, to focus on repeating would, would probably force us to not repeat because people who think it that way typically don't repeat. They got to work on doing the best they can do every day that, to, you know, win the first game. And that's kind of our goal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and kind of staying with this, um, you know, you talk about team toughness and being the best they can be. And, but you look at it in that super region alone for you guys is, is it's, it's almost winning a championship just to get to the championship. Right. So does being in that, you, you have the, the rivalry with grand Valley state, which is one of the best in all of D2 football. You have this nice little postseason kind of rivalry with Northwest Missouri State, right? Like you played them a whole bunch of times over the last few years, and you still have perennial powerhouses like Harding and OBU and all these other teams to worry about. So, you know, does that help toughen this team up just knowing that they have to get through that alone just to have a chance? It freaks me out. Like, literally, <laughs> you just made me nervous again. But, like, <laughs> like with, with, you know, just to say we could play with Northwest Missouri State, like in one game a year, like if, if we were even competitive, you know, back in 2014 or something, would totally blow my mind. And then, you know, we've played them now four times, but like they're, they're still the standard, in my opinion, they're still the standard. And they had a great team this past year, you know. Uh, they've had to come to Big Rapids now, uh, three straight years. So, you know, we, 
you know, we lost to them in 16 at their place, you know, but they've had to come to Big Rapids, um, you know, and, and, and that helps us a little bit. And so that means we got to win a lot of games to get Northwest Missouri State on the road to come to Big Rapids. And uh, so those things matter. That means we got to beat Grand Valley in the regular season, um, which we've been able to do under most conditions. And that means we potentially have to beat them again, which we've only beaten them, you know, twice in a season just this past year. This is the third time we've played them um, twice in a season. And, and in, in 15 and in 16, we split and we finally got a real hump and beat them twice this year. But, but you know, the, the prospect of, of having somebody that's, you know, that close away, uh, hour away from us and a GLIAC rival and, you know, having to beat them in the playoffs after beating them in the regular season, that's daunting. Um, and it was our first round game. And so, yeah, uh, let alone the fact that Harding scares the heck out of me. Like, and, and their head coach knows it. Like, nobody wants to play Hardy. You know, I mean, I guess Northwest Missouri State has a formula for slowing them down. But other than that, I don't know why anybody would want to play Hardy. Um, you know, the, 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 their system, their offensive system um, scares the heck out of you. And then they take so much time. They play the, take the play clock and, and shorten the game. And their defense is really good. So, yeah, our, I mean, if you could help maybe readjust the super regions, I would be happy, you know. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not lying to you when I tell you, we're the, the GLIAC has lost GLIAC members because if, if, they, if they leave the GLIAC, and let's just say a lot of them went to the GMAC, so I'll just say it, they went to the GMAC, now they're in super region one. And so, you know, some of these guys are thinking that way. And uh, so it's, uh, but it, yeah, it's, it's overwhelming uh, for, for us to even win a region once would, would like blow my brains out, you know, to, to be able to do it. And for us to be able to do it the way we've done it is incredible. Well, coach, I can tell we're getting your heart race and talking about the region. So uh, let's move it on yeah. to a little more lighthearted question here. What makes D2 so special for you and your players? Oh, my gosh. Well, let's just put it this way. Um, we are not spoiled. In fact, if, uh, if there's a hard way to do something, we do it. Um, for us, um, particularly us, like our guys are hardened by the fact that we walk out on uh, what is today? April what? 18th. April 18th. We walked outside today on April 18th and practiced in snow. Like it was snowing. My former OC, like as I've been on here, my former OC who's now at UMass has already texted me and said, are you kidding me? You are in snow today? <laughs> and so he's obviously on, on our film watching it already. But, but uh, so, so we're hardened by um, those kind of things. But we played, we played in a snowstorm in, the, in Thanksgiving weekend. Um, you know, there was snow, snow, a little bit of snow against Shepard in the semifinal game. And uh, hopefully, I'm glad McKinney didn't have snow, but it was cold down there. It on was the day cold. Down there. And so it hardens us. Beyond that, like, uh, I always just say this to Division One coaches, you know, they, they want to preach toughness to, to their players. But my question is, how do you, how do you preach toughness when there's so much entitlement and 
you know, their, their entitlement, like at a whole different level, like, you know, to, to me, I mean, I'll, I'll get on my soapbox here, the NIL. Okay. If, if, if people really wanted to talk about like, you know, fairness, then they should take every dollar of NIL money and spread it across every division, uh, scholarship football and every sport. So then let's just say the women's water polo player, she gets a portion of the NIL money because it's money that is, is coming to, you know, athletes mm-hmm. it, to, to, for, for division one players, just to gain NIL money right now, you know, it, it's to me, it's like, it just really makes the game worse, you know, because for me, then I got players who are saying, wait a second, I started as a true freshman. I I'm this for Ferris state. Maybe I can get a scholarship at a bigger school and then maybe I can get NIL money. That's not why you go to college. And so, um, so we're tough, we're hardened. Um, you know, we're, you know, we've got Tavier Thomas playing for the, you know, for Houston, who was, you know, AFC player of the week, defensive player of the week, you know, one week we got Zach Sealer, who's was ranked in the top four in the nation uh, in the NFL for interior D linemen, you know, rated. Um, we got Justin Zimmer. I mean, we got, we got guys that have learned how to really be tough and then they go to the NFL and then they're, they're superstars because they're tough and they know how to, you know, how to do the things that, you know, sometimes people uh, are just given them given too much. So that's my, uh, that's my take on that particular topic. No, I like it. And I, and I, and it's hard not to agree with you. Um, and I'm a Texans fan. I definitely remember when Thomas won the player of the week, I was very excited to see that. Um, but coach, just because you won a national championship doesn't mean you get to escape the D2 nation hot seat. So we're going to close out the show with just some fun questions here. Uh, you ready? Yep. All right, Bethany, go. All right. Who is a coach that you've admired over the years and who's your favorite team? Oh my gosh. My favorite team. I'll answer that one first is Ferris state, the Ferris state university bulldogs, <laughs> nor will I like anybody else. <laughs> Fair enough. I've never, I've never watched college football with any desire for a team to win or lose. I watch it to kind of examine the games, but there's only, I, I, I you know, people ask me all the time, well, who do you root for Michigan or Michigan state? I don't care. Now, when I was a high school coach, I rooted for, you know, some of my guys that were played for me at high school that went to Michigan or Michigan state. So that kind of changed me and coaches that I admire. uh, I have to go back in time a little bit um, to, I always thought Bill Curry uh, from, from uh, just teaching people how to really coach. I think he was, uh, you know, a great teacher. Um, and, uh, even though his win loss record wasn't great, he just really was grounded in, in the principles of, of how to, how to treat your players. And, and that's a big deal for us. Like we spend a lot of time, like I always just say the catalyst of our greatness is love. And so we want to, we want to spend a lot of time making sure that we're treating the players the way they need to be treated for them to flourish. Um, but I like Nick Saban a lot too. Um, I, uh, I've always, you know, he's, he's been in the Midwest, so 
there was a time I would say that he would know who I was and, and that kind of deal. But now he's been out of the Midwest for a while, but uh, he, he, he's a pretty good, uh, he's a good teacher. He's, he knows how to, you know, teach. And, and when he goes to clinics, he spends a lot of time teaching. And this I'm talking about, you know, 15, 20 years ago, but so. I promise Coach right. Saban knows the D2 national champion coach. <laughs> well, we better make sure that he does. So you guys let him know that. <laughs> <laughs> One of my best buddies is his director of player personnel, uh, Bob Welton. So, um, so I'll, I'll call Bob and tell him to tell Coach Saban, make sure he won it all. <laughs> all right, it gets a little hard here. What's the best sports movie of all time? Oh my gosh, sports movie. Um, sports movie. Yeah, I told you, get stuff. Sports movie. My wife keeps on. I'm trying to think of something that my wife's trying to answer this question, and I, I'm agreeing with her. But I wish she didn't say it because then I would have said it easier. And I don't want to. <laughs> but yeah, it's Hoosiers. It's Hoosiers. Yeah, it's, it's a classic for sure. I love it. You know, your guys, I'm sure, kind of take this over. But if you had your choice of what music was in the pregame mix, what would you be playing over the speakers? Oh, my gosh. So I listen to I, I listen to really soft music. Like, it's uh, back in the day, they'd call it easier rock, easy rock. But uh, I listen to the Eagles, Boston, Bob Seger I like. Um, you know, old school stuff, REO Speedwagon, Journey. Um, I would say that would be top of my playlist right there. There was a good three years of my life where the only thing I listened to was Journey. There's no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you're with me then. Yeah. What's the best Eagles song, Coach? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I can't even tell you which one I like the best. I really don't. Yeah, yeah. Really, really getting hot seat now. <laughs> Stop. What's um? What's your favorite food? <laughs> um, if I had my choice, so so my body doesn't like my favorite food. Just so you know that. So, what what I like to eat and what I do eat are two different things. But I would have barbecued spare ribs probably. Yeah. yeah, or fried chicken. I love fried chicken, but I can't. Yeah, I can't kind of thing. Yeah. So, what is your most binge-worthy TV or Netflix show or series? I mean, there's only I watch sports, I watch Seinfeld, and I watch Curb. Curb oh, enthusiasm. Two great yeah. ones. Two great yeah. ones right there. That's it. That's all I have interest in. If I would. <laughs> I can't stand binging on these uh, Netflix things because I want an ending too quickly. Yeah. And so I watch Ozark and by the time it's in the second or third, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, now I'm caught up in this world <laughs> and it's way too long and I don't have time for it. So <laughs> I don't really like to start it because then I know, you know, it's, it's going to be a long time before I finish it. Yeah. Okay. Last question. If you weren't a football coach, what would you be doing? Um, you know, I, I guess if you want to just 
analyze it this way, I'd, I'd probably still be in public education. Um, you know, it would have been weird being just a teacher and not a coach because I always just thought, you know, they're, the coaching was extensions of the classroom. But uh, I love being a teacher and I love being around young people. And so I'd probably do something associated with a school still. Um, I think potentially I would have uh, been a, uh, you know, a great principal, somebody that all the uh, kids would like and teachers would hate probably is probably how I would, I would be. Cause I'm an advocate, advocate for kids more. So like when I was a teacher, even like the day I hated the most was like the day that students didn't come and, and teachers had like, um, you know, PD days or whatever they're called. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, and not surprising. I, I think that's a, a pretty, <laughs> that does the answer I would expect, but we do want to thank you for joining us. Um, we want to let you go get some rest, stay warm, stay out of that snow. And uh, we wish you good luck and, and have fun at the spring game this week. Oh yeah. We're uh, Friday. We're going to have the game and then we're going straight. We're, we're basically the game ends at five. We're going straight over across campus and we're doing a rink ceremony at six. We're going to do a banquet and a rink ceremony. Uh-huh. We got a lot of drums back. Like most of the NFL guys like Tavi, Tavi or Thomas is going to be there. And so most of the NFL guys are going to be there. So, and then Saturday we're golf. And so we're going to have a great, great weekend. Awesome. Awesome. Are you going to get a golf coach? What's that? You're going to get a golf? Oh my gosh. I love to golf. Love to golf. Didn't you like, say at the pre- post-game presser at the championship, you were going to take a yeah. few days to go golfing? Yeah, I know. Go- I did actually too. <laughs> yeah. I, went, I had my golf clubs in my van and we drove straight to Florida from Texas and we went golfing. <laughs> yeah. And right. so, um, yeah, I love to golf. I love to play pickleball. Um, yeah. So those are the two things that, if uh, I could spend most of my time away from football, those would probably be the two things I'd be doing. Not, not a bad way to spend your time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again. And remember, D2 Nation, before we go, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and just about anywhere else you want to listen. Give us a follow, and we'll see you next week on the D2 Nation. Um.